that night, my homeboys, we had all the, they had the guns, we had the stolen car, everything. And they were waiting for me to get off of work. As soon as I got off of work, I was going to go do another shooting. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Encounters with God. We have a special guest today, and he's got such a powerful testimony. I, I came across Jesse, and I said, man, I've got to reach out to him, and uh, I think you're going to love his story about how he came to faith in Jesus Christ. Well, thanks so much for coming on uh, the show today, Jesse. No, hey, no problem, brother. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be on. Well, let's just start at the beginning, man. We'll just jump right in. Uh, how was your childhood growing up? What kind of environment did you grow up in? It was a, I grew up a good home. Like it was cool. We were poor and, and stuff like that. But the only, the thing was that uh, all my family were uh, gang members. My father was a gang member and all my cousins and my uncles. So like all my family. So I always grew up around the gang environment. Like, so since I was a little kid, I would see all the gang members around the city and all that. And they'd be like, Hey, how's your dad? Or, how's your cousins? Or, or so I would consider them my homeboys. They all knew me, so I always grew up um, wanting to be a gang member. So when you were a child, you didn't think, oh, I'm going to grow up, I'm going to be a doctor, I'm going to be a famous athlete or a rapper, a musician or anything. You were, you thought you were going to grow up and be a gang member. Yeah, I wanted to. That was my uh, my goal. And the two of the reason why, too, is because my family, they were notorious in my city, even to this day. If you go over there and you mention my last name and my family, everybody knows, like, those were the most crazy guys right there and all that. So I try to earn my own name. Like a lot of guys used to fear me and stuff like that because of my family. So then I was like, no, I want it to be for my own self. I want them to like me and, and everything for my own. And then growing up in La Puente, California, that's where I'm from. In the 90s, gangs were so bad. And I remember I was like one of the youngest little guys right there. And I had so many hundreds of homeboys right there. And they were all crazy. So I would try to do extra stuff. Yeah. So how old were you approximately, you know, when you got into the gang? I think like when I was officially and all that, I think like 14 when I was officially like, and they were claiming me and I was like claiming them, right? It started young. What were some of the things that you would be doing? Everything. Uh, man, uh, everything. I, if I could, I would just try to get my enemies. You know what I mean? We shot at them or riding on walls, robbing, beating people up, um, stuff like that. I remember, like the first time I ever got arrested, I I was like 14 or I got busted with a, a butterfly knife. I took a butterfly knife to school. So I got that was my first arrest. And then I got uh, arrested for assault. And then I got arrested. Uh, like two times in um, stolen cars. And I had never did time for like all those little like first arrests. Mm -hmm. uh, I was like on probation and things wow. like that. And then until when um, the cops raided my house when I was 16 and then they raided my house and they had me for four shootings and a robbery. I got convicted for, uh, okay. I just pleaded to one of the shootings and they ran all the other stuff concurrent and all that. So I took a deal and uh, I went up to the youth authority for uh, several years. Tell us now, youth authority. What is the youth authority? It's bad. And they they call it over here, over, what they call it, gladiator school. It's a junior prison, like 25 years and under. Does a murder or rape or a robbery, like a big time crime. They were too young to send to prison, so they would send them to the youth authority. So all the ones in there were doing years. You know what I mean? And then it was crazy because all the main guys from all the gangs were in the youth authority, even the blacks, the bloods and the crips or whatever. And so when they sent me there, I was a little kid, skinny old little kid. And then 
by the time I got out of there, man, bro, I, I was institutionalized. Like, even though I was a gang member and all that, I was still a normal little kid. But mm -hmm. the time I got out, they made me into like a maniac gang banging machine. I was institutionalized. People on the streets, there's no way that they could deal with those kind of people because they're so crazy. Like, you even say one word or anything, boom, we'll just punch you. And usually people on the streets are like, fearful or they respect like oh he was out of YA so I ended up being like the main guy for my game. So yeah you got out and uh you I guess you had more respect with the gang as you got out of the youth authority. So you started kind of running the show then. I started just running the show because my little homeboys loved me too because this I was like their G homie because I was six two and I was crazy. I was straight out of YA and they just whatever all my homeboys they liked me and then I just was just doing running amok gang banging even worse and showing them how to gang bang and just just everywhere they liked it and my like my gang like started flourishing i was getting a lot of guys in and we we're doing a lot of stuff did you work a normal job yeah that's one thing it's a trip is i always had a job no matter how gang related or whatever i was doing I always had a job. I would be all came in, you know, all the streets all the night, but I would still go to work. Was that that was that was that kind of like a cover for you? No, it's just my dad, my family, my parents and them always taught me that we're to work. And then I used to seek, like you said, I was always around get all the gang and older guys and all that since I was a little kid. So I would see like these older guys. And to me, I would think that like, they're like low lives or whatever. They would not work or there'd be dope fiends, old wino drunk guys or whatever. And I'll be like, I ain't gonna be like that. And my mom, my family always tell us you work, like we go to work. So I used to always be like, where is it written that just because you're a gang member, you got to be a low life. Eh? So I used to always work. So no, that's why even like my family or nobody could really tell me nothing because I was always working. You know what I'm saying? Like mm -hmm. my family, or, even though I was a gang member and all that, I always worked and even like, and the girls used to like it because I had money. I was working. So even they knew I was the baddest gang member, everything and all that. But then I was working. Did you ever have any jobs where anybody tried to share their faith with you? Yeah, with uh, my boss. So I was all bad, all gang related, all institutionalized, all crazy as heck like that. And um, I was going to do another shooting. So uh, that night, my homeboys, we had all the, they had the guns, we had the stolen car, everything. And they were waiting for me to get off of work. As soon as I got off of work, I was going to go do another shooting. As I'm working, I'm working with this older Christian man, and he was an ex-gang member from around my area. He's from Eastside Baldwin Park, but he was an ex-gang member, but he was a Christian man. And I had a lot of respect and love for my boss like that. So as we're working, uh, and he knew, he knew I was all gang related and all of that. And uh, so he started sharing the gospel with me and I never heard it the way he said was saying it to me because I was raised Catholic. I was Catholic. I was raised Catholic my whole life and all of that. And that's why I never, and I used to go to mass all the time, even when I was in the youth authority and juvenile hall and all that, I used to go to mass every Sunday in jail and I never heard it the way he was saying it. And then I was like, you know what? That sounds good. Maybe one day I'll go to church. Eh? I said, but I don't want to be no hypocrite. I'm not ready. Maybe one day I'll go to church if I ever get married or something like that. And I told him, you know what? But I don't think I could be forgiven. I did too many things. And then that's what he started telling me about, like, he said, you never heard about, like, King David in the Bible? And then I was like, no. And he was like, he was a great man of God. And he was sleeping with a soldier's wife. And he had a soldier killed. And he's, like, telling me. 
And then it's like, like Jesus, like all you have to do is ask Jesus to forgive me. I'm like, that's it? All I have to do is ask Jesus to forgive me? That's it? That's all you have to do to go to heaven? And then he was like, yeah, and you can be forgiven and all that. So I'm like, all right. That's why anybody that's listening to this, don't ever get discouraged when you're sharing the gospel with somebody. Because at the time, I was totally gang-related, the worst person that you would ever. So you would have thought, I know he probably thought this little knucklehead isn't hearing what I'm saying. But I heard what he was saying. It takes everybody different things to come to the Lord. Something it takes a tragedy or whatever. But me, I was like at the greatest moment you would say in my life. I was like a ghetto superstar. I was like the main dude from my hood. I had so much respect, all of that from all the guy. I had the power. I could tell you, 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 tell my homies, go do the shooting or go do whatever. And they'll do whatever I say. I had so many women. I was even doing things for like the Mexican mafia. Like I wasn't from the Mexican mafia, but they were, I was going to meetings with them and they were like sending me to do missions for them and all that. So like I had power, but I still wasn't happy. So no matter what I was doing for the world, I wasn't happy. So I thought about what he said and I didn't know how to pray or nothing, but I said, hey, God, help me to change. As soon as I got off of work, I went and we did the shooting. I got on a blast, blue, blue. And then uh, we got in the car and we, and we got in a high speed chase and we crashed. And then um, I'm running, me and two of my homies got out of the car. We're running this side of the street, and the other two run the other side of the street. And then, wouldn't you know it, they chased me. Me and the homeboy are running side by side, and the cops chasing us on foot. So we're running, and I have my gun still right here. And he tells me, you're a fool, Scott Rebs, your gun, Rebs. And that's when he tells me that, he starts running the different direction, and the cops after me. And there was like a little hill. And as I'm, I'm jumping on, like, on the little hill, I throw my gun, and I took like a little tumble, but I should have just been able to get up and run like nothing because I was young, in shape, everything. I was like 23 years old. You know what I mean? I was the best shape of my life and all that. I should have mm -hmm. just been able to get up and run. And when I fell, I tried to get up and I couldn't get up. It was so weird. I don't know if it was like something was holding me down or something. My legs didn't work like exactly like how I am right now. I'm trying to get up. Yeah. And I can't get up. I can't get off the ground. My legs are not working. And like, I can't get up. So the cop comes, finally catches up to me. And he puts the handcuff on me and everything. The cop's like, get up. And I tell him, I can't. And he's like, what do you mean you can't? I'm like, I don't know what's wrong with me, officer. My legs don't work. And then the cop picked me up. And as soon as he picked me up, my legs were normal. And then he got my gun right there and all that. So I'm like, Dang, that was really weird that that's never happened in my life. But I didn't think too much about it because I'm thinking, dang, I'm going to get life. Because I just did years mm. in the youth authority for shooting. They caught me again, a high-speed chase. So I'm thinking, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to get life or I'm going to get so many years, you know what I mean, 20 years or whatever. But I feel it was God did that purposely because he wanted me to get busted that night because that night I got saved. I'm just look. I had seven felonies. I had seven felonies. I'm in the county, so I'm looking at a lot of time. And I, I thought about again about what that man was telling me. So I prayed. I started praying, and I don't know the words that I said because I didn't know how to pray or nothing like that. I was just telling God, God, give me one more chance to get out. I promise I'll never touch a gun again. And just sorry and all that. Whatever. I gotta remember the words. It was so long ago, but it's true that God knows your heart. And he yeah, knew my heart and I got saved. And I know I got saved because um, 
that night too, as soon as I prayed and all that, I went to sleep in the county and I had a dream and then something came in my dream and I couldn't see its face. It was some kind of an evil creature or something and it was in my dream and I couldn't see the face, but it was like furious on me in my dream and in my dream I was scared. And then I said, Jesus. And then I said, Jesus forgave me. And when I said that, whatever it was, it left. When I started to say Jesus, it left. And when I woke up, I was just a complete different person the next day. Like something dramatically had happened to me on the inside. I felt so different. It recorded before all I used to get, the devil used to fill my mind with evil thoughts. Like all I used to think about was I could run up on my enemies like this and shoot them like this or do this and whatever. Like all the, during the, all during the day, I would always just get evil thoughts of how to do bad, get my enemies and do things like that. And it used to worry me like, dang, what's wrong with me? How come I ever, all I ever think about is hurting people and doing bad yeah. things. Like what's wrong with me? But all those evil thoughts had left something like had dramatically changed. And then, so I started off. Uh, reading my Bible. And I remember when I used to be in juvenile hall and youth authority, I used to try to read my Bible, but it was boring to me. I didn't understand it. It used to be like nothing. But after that night, when I got saved and I started reading my Bible, and then the Bible came alive to me. And not only did it come alive to me, I was hungry for it. So I'm growing, learning right there, reading the Bible. And then they had like Bible studies in the church. I started going to Bible studies in jail right there. So I was like learning doing good i was doing good getting strong in the lord but see the mistake that i made was is i try to walk on both sides of the fence because like i took it i had a lot of respect in jail and all of that and i didn't want people to think i picked up the bible in jail so i was trying to walk on both sides of the fence i was kicking it with all the fellas all the homies and all that, all the guys in prison. But then I would be going to Bible studies and read my Bible. Long story short, I only got a few years. So I went back up. Now this time to prison. Like all my other time was always only in the youth authority. Anybody knows about um, California prisons and like that level threes and the level fours. That's where all the murderers and the lifers, that's where all the big time where you're under the mm -hmm. gun. My first day on the yard, as soon as I get right there, they're like, hey. We need you to get these guys. There's some northerners right here. We need you to get them. And this and that. So I'm like, dang. And I was trying to do good. I was trying to walk with the Lord and like mm -hmm. like that. Like I didn't even really, I was trying to like totally wanted to like change and all that. And they were like, we need you to do this, get these guys and all that. So I'm like, man. Yeah. And there was one of my homies on the other. I'm like, man, it will look bad if I don't do it. Because I didn't even want it. And usually I would want, I would love to. Before that's how I, I knew had changed when I got saved because before I, they wouldn't even have to tell me I would have volunteered hey I want to do it or like that's how I was but the old it like had changed in me and I said well look bad if I don't go and he's like yeah it'll look bad so I was like man all right I'll go then man so I did doing missions and all that and I going to the hole and so I just slowly surely started off falling away in jails falling away but I would still read my Bible here and there. I would still go to church once in a blue moon or whatever. But I was like slowly but surely falling away from God. But yeah, it was hard. And because I didn't know nothing about really nothing. I was just my own self reading my Bible and going to little studies, whatever, uh, here and there. But the biggest mistake that I made was is I was trying to um, walk on both sides of the fence. Mm -hmm. I should have just said, sure. hey, I'm Christian. 
and all of that. But I didn't want people to me. I, I thought it was like weak or whatever to be like that. So I was still trying to do both. The day I got out, all my homeboys were at my pad and then they, they had me a party and they were like, um, the little young, my little young homeboys were there. They were like, we're so happy that you're out, that the hood hasn't been the same since you've been gone. We want you to run the hood again and all that. And then I tried to tell them, I was like, you know what? That's it for me. I'm done now. And then they were like, yeah, right. You're just saying that because you're fresh out. And I was like, no, nah, that's it for me. I want to go to church. So when I said that, they got mad. So I'm arguing with all my homeboys and my family. I'm arguing with all of them. And then my own mother, even my mother tells me, I'll disown you if you turn Christian. Because mm. she hated, my family hated Christians because they're Catholics and all that. So she said, I'll, we'll just, I'll disown you if you turn Christian. No. So like I was fresh out of jail. I started messing around girls. One sin leads to another. And then um, what happened when my little cousin came and he had a gun and all that. He gave me a gun. And I, as soon as I touched the gun, bang. And remember I told you I kept promising yes. God. That's why I don't yeah. ever make a promise to God and not keep it. Because I promised him if he let me to get out of jail again that I would never touch a gun again. And I did. So I touched the gun. And then soon after that, I got into it with some guy. And uh, I went to the guy's house and I was just going to kick down the guy's front door and go inside the guy's house and get him. And that's just a little glimpse of the type of person I, I used to be to just go to somebody's house, kick down their front door and go inside their house and get him. But as I'm kicking down that guy's front door, he shot me boom out, out of his side window. He shot me right here. So boom, mm. I got hit boom. And uh, I didn't feel like I felt like the initial and then I took mm -hmm. fell and I fell on the floor, but then I felt nothing. I felt no pain. So I'm on the floor, bam. And then um, he's trying to shoot me some more. And so I, like, I'm trying to pull myself with my arms and he, as he's shooting. And then my little cousin was with me. And then he has a nine millimeter. And he's like 18 or 19 years old. And he's on the wall. And he's like all scared with the nine millimeter. And I look at him. And I tell him, what are you doing, eh? What are you doing? That's a blast, eh? Because I'm right here, shot on the floor, and he's standing right there with the nine millimeter. So I tell him, "What are you doing?" And I said, "Blast!" So then he starts shooting with the nine millimeter, boom, 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 and he's shooting. My brother runs up the stairs and picks me up, and the guy's shooting at my brother, boom, boom, boom. And they take me to the car, and then he's like, "What's wrong with you?" And I tell him, "I don't know. I think I'm shot. I can't feel my legs, but I had no pain or nothing. I just could have. Only thing is, I couldn't feel my legs." They lifted up my shirt, and then he's like, yeah, you're shot. And as soon as he told me that, I got scared. Like, I ain't, I ain't gonna lie. As soon as he told me you're shot, I'm like, oh, man. So I just tell myself, hang on for the ambulance. Just hang on for the ambulance. So then the ambulance comes, and the cops, and the ambulance, they're all on me, and they put an IV in me, and the cops are trying to ask me questions and all that. I hear them talking, the cops in the ambulance, and they're like, he's not going to make it. His only chance is to call for the chopper. So I tell myself, hang on for the chopper, and I'll hang on for the chopper. So finally, the helicopter comes, and they put me in it, and we're flying. And as I'm in the helicopter, I felt like I was starting to die. Like, I felt like I was dying. I just started uh, praying, calling out to Jesus. But I wasn't praying, uh, like, Lord help me to live or anything because i thought i was going to die at it any second it was only repentance you're not going to be thinking about your money and all this other stuff and all that mm -hmm. you're only going to be thinking about your eternity but don't wait till that because you might not 
get to be lucky like how I was, where I was able to repent right before I was dying. You could die instantly. And tomorrow's not promised to nobody. So you could die today in a car accident or whatever the case may be. So you need to make sure you're right with God because you don't want to go to hell and you can't. It's so easy. Like religion won't save you being a good person. If you think, well, I'm a good person, that won't save you. You say, oh, well, I believe in God. That won't save you because even the devil believes in God. Even the demons, they believe in God too. That won't save you. Only Jesus saves you. That's why he came. And it was a trip because I was all emotionally, physically scared, dying, all jacked up. And once I started calling out to Jesus, I felt like wonderful peace came over me. And then I've just, ever since that day, I've been okay. And uh, the Lord has just been using my life for so many things. Like, uh, even from day one, like I always knew from day one that God was going to use me. I felt, I knew that God had saved me. I knew that I was supposed to die, but I knew God left me. So I always felt immediately that God would left me for um, a reason. And then I remember even too, when all the, one time one of the nurses came in my hospital room and it was full of gang members. There was full of all gang members were in my room. They wanted to go get the guy that shot me. They're like, hey, we're going to go get the guy. And I told them, nah, just let the guy go. And they were like, what? What do you mean? We're going to get him. And I was like, no, let him go. I forgive him. Just let the guy go. Don't, don't get him. I've never um, been angry at God or, oh, I wasn't sad about my situation and all that. Because I always looked at it as a blessing. Because I knew when you live that lifestyle, like anybody that's ever, if you like that, we, you know what's coming. When you're living that righteous lifestyle, you know death or something bad. So I always knew. I always thought in my mind, I'm either going to end up dead or in jail. Even in the hospital, like, because I was cool, like how I am right now. And the doctors were, like, amazed when they see. They were like, the doctors told me, we never seen a guy like you before. Usually when they're young and we tell them they're never going to walk again, usually we have to give them antidepressant medicines. But the Lord gave yeah. me peace for my situation. And then, yeah. so they're like, can you go around the hospital and try to cheer up all the other patients? So I was all shot up in a wheelchair, paralyzed and all that myself. But I would go around the hospital trying to cheer up and pray. And God was immediately started using me right then. And then as soon as I got out of the hospital, um, I started going into juvenile halls, doing Bible studies with all the little kids in there. And I used to tell them, I used to be like you little kids. I was in gangs, juvenile hall, youth authority, prison. I was the main guy. So God was using that. And then I started going into prisons and then God blessed me and everything. I got married and uh, just juicing. So then I started speaking at different churches, at like, car shows. And I started uh, sharing the gospel, like my family member and my whole family got saved. But it was all God. God did all that. It was none of it was me. God was just uh, and like a lot. I got to share the gospel with like my ex game member homeboys. A lot of my ex game member homeboys. I was sharing the gospel with them too. And so God was just and I ended up starting being a chaplain at a hospital. So I would go around uh, the hospital just praying with all the but like I'm supposed to go as you know as a chaplain at the hospital I'm supposed to only go and pray with the patients but I wasn't I was going in there sharing the gospel every single patient that I would go I don't care if they're Muslim even gay or whatever I was going in there sharing the gospel with them and I wasn't supposed to even be doing that so you, you had probably with those people you had credibility 
the people you were going back to because they knew your former life. Yeah. They knew uh, they could sniff out if this guy's real. They can sense it whether this guy's a fake or whether he's real or not. Yeah, even some of them you would trip like you would be like scared like a big old crazy dude straight out of Folsom, full of tattoos, all crazy old guys. But and then uh, God would share the gospel, and they'd be like, "What? Hey, Rebs, I wouldn't listen to anybody else trying to tell me about God, but." I listen to you because they had a lot of love and respect for me. Like, even though now they're all big or crazy, those are still my little homies or whatever. They used to look up to me. And all. so God would use their old respect or whatever, my old reputation or whatever. If I share the gospel, or whatever, they would always listen to me to share the gospel with them. God used that. What would you say to someone who is uh, living in sin and they know that they're living in sin and they're running from God? I would just say that. I was the biggest sinner that there ever was. You know, I used to righteously do shootings, robberies, beating people, just every sin. And you see what God had a plan for my life, and he has a plan for you. And either way, you're going to live forever. It's either going to be in heaven or hell. So you have to choose. And God won't make you go to heaven because if he did, then that would be like prison, making somebody be someplace that they didn't want but that's so that's why he came. That's why he died. He's the way. So all you do is pray and ask him to forgive you. And once you do every all your sins that you've ever committed in your life, it will all be gone by the blood of Jesus. He's the only way to heaven and you can have it. And I know you know that doing it your own way, living your own way, you won't ever be happy like that. You will never be happy and all like that. But and just want to say that hell's real. Hell's real, and you don't want to go there. And uh, Jesus is the way, and God has plans for your life. Well, it was an honor and a privilege to have you on the show, uh, Jesse. I appreciate your time, and uh, God bless you. And uh, bless you. Uh, I look forward to seeing the great things that you're going to be doing in the future. Amen. God bless.